Amen. I want to read you a portion of scriptures today, and I'm going to kind of merge. I'm going to kind of merge Father's Day with kind of what's been on my mind. I'm going to kind of merge actually manhood, manliness, masculinity uh, with what's been on my. How about masculinity and grace? Can we? Can we? Is there any way to ma- to merge that? Well, yeah. It's easy to, you know, masculinity is, is big in Scripture. It's, it's huge. Uh, probably was no one, no more uh, a warrior than David. You, you, you know, you, a, lot of times, a lot of times people in our culture, they think of, of Christian, being a Christian, as being, being someone of, uh, 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 more feminine or, or, or sissified or whatever. I'm going to tell you what, in God's Word, it's the total opposite. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, God, God, God called warriors. God called masculine men to his uh, uh, kingdom to do things for him. And uh, David was such a man, you could give him five rocks and he could use one of them and knock the giant out. He didn't even need all five. He just needed one, just one. I mean, he's a warrior, a warrior. So I want to kind of merge that because my mind's been wrapped around grace so much. And, and I want to merge that together. And, of course, I, I just there was some thoughts that come on my mind out of this week even so it, it, it kind of merged under the hands of the Lord, and, and I pray that you'll get something out of it that it'll bless you. And especially, it's, it's, and the reason I want to merge it, one reason I want to do both is cross it is, as I know there's more than men here. You know, there's, there's humanity here. Humanity is here. Uh, uh, you know, so I want to merge it to where everybody will be able to, to be able to relate to it in some fashion. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you. I'll give you a title, kind of a title and a subtitle, if you will, uh, and kind of the title will be a, a grace, a grace to be a man, the grace to be a man, and kind of the subtitle, uh, I, I guess, uh, of that, you know, is 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 wrapped around the grace too. But it's about being worthy, worthy of that grace. You ever thought about that? What it takes to be worthy of the grace? Maybe you haven't thought about that. Well, it's, it's in scripture, and I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'm going to read a little extra scripture because you know that's how I like to do, I like to build around something uh, and give you the word because you can't go wrong given the word, the word is always good, so we'll start with the second verse and we'll carry on through the end of the chapter, but the word of the Lord says this, and of course he starts with one of my favorite things, grace unto you, you know what if I could do that this morning that's what I would say, I would say grace unto unto you. I would say every row, everyone that's come out this morning. If you took time this morning, I would pray that, man, grace unto you. Grace unto you, every one of you. Thank you for being here. Grace, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound, and that's the way I feel, bound to give thanks for you. I really am. Brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly and your love or your charity of every one of, of you all toward each other abounds, so that we ourselves, we glory in you in the churches of God. You know, that's just the truth. When, when, when you do good, we're able to glory in that. You know, so don't take lightly you serving God and you growing. Because when you do that, the whole church gets to glory. The whole church gets to rejoice. The whole choice church gets to enjoy it. Like last Sunday when my brother come off that bench, Brother Tommy, come up here and give his heart to the Lord. The whole church got the glory in Tommy doing good. And Tommy doing good. So it's just awesome, ain't it? So, 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 the whole church, we get the glory in this and, and, and of God, of your patience and faith and all persecution, all tribulation, 
that you endure, everything that you go through, which is just a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy. There's worthy of the kingdom here. Worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God. I want you to catch that. To recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. I know this is a world that's kind of caught up in the new age type thing. And, and that's where, that's like what I, I, I picked on a pet peeve last week about people that want you to not pray for them, but give them good vibes. Give me some good vibes. I'm going to leave it alone this morning, but, but, but I'm not sure what a vibe is yet. I've been trying to, you know, uh, that's something like yoga or something. Hum, hum. You feel anything? No. I didn't either. Maybe it wasn't a good vibe. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, this, this is kind of along them lines, but it's, it's people, people in this new age, they, they, they got this thing. They say when, when, when somebody does them wrong, you know what they say? Karma. That's what they say, karma. That goes right, in my book, that goes right along with that good vibe stuff. Karma and good vibe. Oh, no, no, there's some biblical answers for what you're trying to say. Yes. The good vibe, we should say, you know what, I'm going to pray that the God of all heaven and earth touch or bless you or do what you need in your life. That's, that's the vibe. And the karma is right here. And do you realize that, that, that where you're trusted, uh, to, go back to the verse I had on there, Kayla, you, you jumped on me. Seeing it's a righteous thing with God to recompense. He, listen, it's right. Somebody troubles you. It's a righteous thing for God. God's the one that, that does deals Amen. out the vengeance. God's, if you want to talk karma, you're talking God. God's the one who recompenses tribulation to them that trouble you. Did you catch that? It's not karma. It's your Father in heaven. He repays. It's Him. But anyway, that's just side notes. Verse 7, you know how I am. I've got to have side notes. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. And when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed, and he shall be from heaven with his mighty angels, in a flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we talked Wednesday about obeying the gospel of grace. That there's flaming vengeance. I told you, at, at, the ever, at the end of every dispensation age, no matter ever how God dealt with man, every man had a, had a responsibility to relate to that age. Our age is we relate by being obedient to the grace of God. And if we don't, there is judgment. Come on, there is. Anyway, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, verse 10 who shall come to be glorified in his saints and be admired in all them that believe because of our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now, here's the two verses. Here's the two verses that we're really going to settle in on. Wherefore, on top of all that, on top of all that, he says, this is where, where I'm at. Wherefore, also, we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. And to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in you and you in him. Catch that. You in him. 
according to the grace according to the according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, go on and give the Lord. I tell you, go and give the Lord glory for that right now. Even before we pray, you all bless his name for that right now. Oh, we do. We bless his name. We bless his name. Amen. Brother, brother, brother Davey, won't you pray over this service for me, brother? Come on, give him the glory one more time. One more time. Bless his name. He's worthy of it. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, in this thing, there's this, there's this word in there about the calling. Well, this being worthy of this, of this particular calling. And, and, and I got kind of hung up on that. And I got to, you know, there is probably, in relating now to even being a man this morning, and, and, but any calling, but one of the probably the greatest callings of a man or that a man can have is, is just that call right there. It's a call to be a man. Do you realize that? God, that's one of the, I mean, we look, when we think of college, a lot of times we think of so many things, but, but in the very beginning, that's really what God done. He, he made man. How many know this morning? That God makes men. Amen. He does. But, but in the very beginning, God made men. And their calling was simple. Just be a man. Be that man. Be the man that he's made you to be. That's the calling. 1 Corinthians, right quick, honey, 16, 13 and 14. The word of the Lord says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. Quit ye or, or act like or be like men. Be strong, he said. That's our call. That's who we are. That's, that's what comes under this calling. And, and with that first calling and, and, and the first work, God, God made man to be that. And it's really, really in this, it's a call. It's a call to biblical, and I want to say it like this because I, I want you to catch it, biblical masculinity. And there's a reason I, I need to say that because because there, there is perversions, there is, there is deviations from that. But, but it's biblical masculinity because it is. Because, because first of all, first of all there, is, there is a macho, ego, big-headedness, egocentric, perverted, dominating, perverting the power or the strength that a man may have, trying to dominate weaker or lesser, you know, being bullish. Being overbearing or, 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 or operating in a harassing or, or, or disruptive or abusive, even abusive manner. How many know? How many know? I mean, that's not what God's calling macho big heads to be. He's not. He's not calling any man to be that. 
What he's called, what biblical masculinity is, is just that. And it's not, it's not what this culture, I felt like this was such an on time word, this really because of where our culture is, because this culture, this society, this age that we live in, it, it's a struggle, it's a struggle now today to live in, in what the scriptures would call us to be as, as men. Uh, we're in a society, we're in a place. How, how many, I want to say this. How many know that Satan hates biblical manhood? I want you to catch that. Satan hates it. And he has played culture, he's played society, and he's actually helping society, if, if you will, to, to, push, to push against it. And he's really, he's really doing this. And I want to bring this word out. I want to bring this word out because as I sat in and I, I run across these scriptures, I thought, man, that nails it right there. Because really what our culture is and where we're at, and reason I think this is an on-time word, even for this hour, and that the church needs to hear it as we move towards this grace that we're going to finish with this morning, is, is they're pushing society, culture, of course, with satanic emphasis behind it, is pushing, is pushing for man to be soft. Be soft. Now, we don't need it perverted, like I said, to where it's harsh or we're overbearing or bullish. But for sure, for sure, we don't need to be soft. I'm going to say something bold right here. And then I'm going to let you challenge me with it in your mind. And then I'm going to give you scripture. But I'm going to say something bold right here. According to scriptures, according to New Testament scriptures, you know how, how I stand. According to New Testament scriptures, soft men don't inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to, I, I want to say it again. Soft men don't inherit the kingdom of God. I hope you're challenging that statement in your mind. Because there's scripture. I know it's a bold statement, but there is scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 9 or verse 11. <laughs> Sorry, honey. I throw her off sometimes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or verse 9. Go to verse 9. Go back to verse 9. I'm messing with you. Listen to what it says. You all remember this. Know ye not that the unrighteous, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But listen, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor... Here's the word. Here's the word. I really want you... You can, you can take in all of it, but here's the word. I, I want you... Nor infinite, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. I'm going to come back. Verse 10. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Of course, he goes on. Verse 11. I always like to say this because it's so important to hear it. And such were some of us. If it were not for the washing, if it were not for the sanctification, if it were not for the justification in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Now that word, go back to verse 9, honey. I want to go back and I want you to see, I want you to see this word again. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived, fornicators, adulterers, the nor the infinite. And one of the one of the translations is in that is soft. Soft, the soft, the soft man. Those, 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 if you will, that 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 are unbiblical as far as the call 
to manhood or to manliness. Those, those, those that, 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 that don't, and other, you, know, you know what, and that's what this society, this society is really pushing in, in our hour that we live. They, 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 if you will, this society is the Delilah that's trying to strip the strength from, from manhood, from a true man, from his calling. From his stand, from, from him being able to exercise, to operate, to flow in what God needs him to flow in in this, in this land. And because of that, and because, and you can say what you want, but I, I have seen the trend just in my life. I have just seen it in my life where, where, where our society has now given over, and it's even popular now, to be soft. In other words, in other words, in other words, and, and, and this, this goes in this goes into a, a lot of rounds. I'm gonna I'm not gonna try to go into all of it because it's not the whole point of it uh, of what I need to do. But our society is really wanting a genderless society. And biblical, biblically, they can never they can never they can never mix. I want you to get that biblically, it can never be so because man, God made us distinctively different. I didn't say he made one of more value or one of less value, but God made us very distinctively different. He made man and he made woman. He made male and he made female. And he didn't make us genderless. He did not. It's the work of the enemy. It's the work of demonic and, and, and to soften and to soften, to soften in such a way. And our society celebrates. It really does. It celebrates soft men now. It celebrates it. It thinks it's, it's, it's the way to be. It congratulates. They want boldly. They want the bold softness. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and we are in dire straits because of it in this hour that we live in. Amen. And, and it's, left, it's left the church. It's left... Not just the church, but it's left our society with no answers for big battles that's going on out there. Because when, 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 when the enemy and culture gets man soft, and not that he's the whole key or he's the whole principle, but when he, when he goes soft, well then families are left in disarray. There's no, one, there's no one to fulfill the role that God intended to fight for the family. There's no one left to, 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 to help Keep crumbling cities from crumbling. There, there's, there's no one left. There's no one left to, to, to build up and, and to hold up. I mean, things begin to, to, to just come apart in every arena. I want you to think about it. I want to talk to you this morning about the grace to be a man. Because that's what it's about. The grace to be a man. I thought about this. Not too many years ago. I put this on Facebook yesterday because I got to think about it. Once upon a time, once upon a time in a far, far, far land. Do you remember it? Do you remember it? Once upon a time, men had swords. Men had swords. And you know what men did with those swords? They would slay the dragon. They would slay the dragon to protect the princess. Remember? Not use the sword like we do nowadays to slay the princess. Come on, somebody. Amen. 
It's, it's just a different society. And, and, and without, without the biblical man, who's, who's going to storm the gates? Who, who's going who's to protect what they love? That's, that's the role. Uh, uh, if you want to define it real good, he fights the forces of evil every day. That's, that's his role as a biblical man. Whatever that is, he, he's going to protect everything that he loves, even against his own sin. That's a, that's a biblically man manhood. He will not only fight evil, but he'll fight against his own sin because he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you. That's manhood. He'll fight against even his own personal sin so it don't hurt you, hurt them that he loves. How many, how many dads in here know what I'm talking about when I say that? It's the truth. He'll fight it. Who's, who, who's going to rush the gates, if you will? Who's going to take charge and, and, and rush the gates of the enemy? Who's going to be aggressive? Soft men don't do these things. Who's going who's to work and, and sacrifice and serve? Soft men don't do that. Who's going to push and, and plow and, and protect against whatever danger threatens? That's what biblical manhood's about protecting who's going to do that who's going to go into the hardest part of the battle amen who's going to carry the heaviest end of the cross it's a biblical man it's not a soft man. Soft men will never carry the cross. Ever. Amen. Leaders, yes, but servants. That's biblical manhood. Yes. Meek, yes, but fierce. Fierce. I'm meek, but I'll tell you what, you endanger something that I love, I'll get fierce. I'll, whatever's left of me. Amen. Tough, but tender. Tender. I hate JT went out. I was going to use him as an example right here. Y'all know JT, my son-in-law. Big old burly guy. I was going to bring him up here in front of all of you. I was going to make him stand right here. And I was going to give you an example of tough. <laughs> I didn't tell him. It must have been the Lord looking after him. I was going to make him stand right here with that big burly beard. And he's about this tall anyway. And he's a pretty good sized young fella. And I was going to make him stand there with his Duck Dynasty beard. And I was going to show you the example of tough. But then I was going to tell you a little story about Tinder. Because yesterday, his, his little son, Bug, and Jenny, they come out my house to get Daddy something. Big, tough, burly. They come out my house to get Daddy a box of Fruity Pebbles.
Because Fruity Pebbles is his favorite. <laughs> so, so, since he wasn't in here, when y'all see him, say, how you like them Fruity Pebbles? <laughs> you big, tough, sissy, you. <laughs> Unashamed. 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 But that's, that's where it is. That's, that's, a, that's, that's tough, but they're biblical. Not soft. Not soft. I see why, I see why scripture says, I see why scripture says, neither shall soft enter in. You take this scripture serious. Neither shall soft, you know, Jesus. I want you, if you think about Jesus, everything that I've been naming out here was just things I had pulled from his life. Everything that I've named out, everything that I've thought of, but there's this one that I particularly want you to see. Isaiah 42 and verse 3. You got that, sissy? 42 and verse 3. Listen to what it says. It says, a bruised reed. This is the old prophet when he looked at Jesus' life, seen it coming, foreseen it. This is what he's seen about him. He said, He's a bruised reed shall not break. He's talking about how Jesus would handle it. And a smoking flask shall not be quenched. But, but listen here, but he shall bring judgment unto truth. In other words, here's what he's saying. I want to break that down. I want to give you the, the least over interpretation of that. And this is real manhood. This is Jesus Christ manhood. In other words, he's going to be strong and tough enough to crush Satan's head. Judgment. So tough. That under judgment, he's going to bring it to truth. And he'll put his head under his foot. And we know he will. He'll come, he'll come out of the skies every eye will see him. And he'll have like a flaming sword in his mouth. But he'll be strong enough, strong and tough enough to put him under his foot. But, but, yet, but yet tender enough not to break this crack. This, tender enough not to break this bruised reed. That's Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. That's where this is at. So this morning, I want to kind of bring all this together because, and, and then tie this back in with all of us, but especially in the realm of, of the grace to be a man. The grace to be a man. Go back to the text, if you wouldn't. Go back to verse 11 and 12 of 2 of Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm hurrying. 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. There we go. Thank you. Listen to what it says. It says this. It says, once again, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now back up to verse 11 if you don't mind. Verse 11. Wherefore we also pray that you would always be counted worthy of this calling. To fulfill his good pressure. His goodness and the work of faith. Now here's, here's what I want to bring as we close out this morning. I want you to think about this. There, there's a couple things in this. Go back to verse 12 if you don't mind. I'm running you around. But I needed to show them everything about that. I want you to go back to because I'm going to work it backwards. Because that's what I want to do. I want to work it backwards here. I want you to see something. There's this glory, and this is, this is something, this appeals to men. Right here, this really appeals to men in particular. That, that, that 
we be glorified in it. You know, every man, every man, I don't care who you are, every man, every man likes, that's, that's really the reward of, of this great cause. Every man likes to feel glorified in some area, some way. Some, men, men like to be bragged on. Can I just say it like that? Men like to be bragged on. There's not a man in here that don't like to be bragged on. They like it. I just want to tell all you wives something. Let me just tell all you wives something right now. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give this is this is a hundred dollar an hour marriage counseling message right here. This right here will change your house. If you can brag on him, if you can hand clap, if you can pat him on the back, if you can say, "Man, you are the man. I love you so strong. You, my, you, what a man I've got right here." You've been working them guns. <laughs> if you can brag, I seen that yard you mowed. My sugar. Great day. Did, did you put gas in my car? You're such a man. <laughs> no, no, true. Every man. I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you can, if you do that, and, and, and it's got to be some sincerity, you know, it's got to be some. But I'm gonna tell you what, it ain't hard if you want to. But every, 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 if you'll do that, your man, your man will will, will chew that wall down for you. <laughs> he 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 will jump higher than you've ever seen him jump, and see if you look. He, he will do things you never expected. There comes old Fruity Pebbles right there. He, he will do things. He will do things you never dreamed. He, he will make a lot. All the men said. Amen. I was, this is a little extra. I did this at a wedding. Now, this is a little extra. Ladies, don't be naggers. Be braggers. Braggers. Not naggers, but braggers. No naggers, braggers. <laughs> you do that nagging, he's, he's going to the garage. Well, that's where I go. <laughs> Cindy says, I, I'd like to have a little help with this, and she ain't bragging on nothing. I'm going to the garage. <laughs> she said, you, you're such a good-looking man or something. I, what you want me to do, sweetie? <laughs> Think about it. Every man, and the reason I'm bringing this out because that's that's what that's what the scriptures is bringing out. We feel this. There's this glorification. You know, as us as men, to give you another example, we're fixers. Am I right? I guess I guess all men are like that. I don't know. Men, because that's the way God designed us. He wired us. Something something's a little off. Something's a little broke. Something. We're fixers. Whether we know we can do it or not, we're gonna try. I mean, we're gonna tinker with it. We're gonna diddle with it. We might tire up thousand dollars worth more. But by golly, we're going to try to fix that thing because that's who we are. We're fixers. We're fix and you know what? Listen, you know how you men, especially something that was like a little over your head. Y'all ever fix something that's just, uh, you know, I mean, I've worked on stuff before and I'm like, uh, but, but, when, but, but when you really, when you do it and you're successful at it, there's like this, whoa. Come on. Men go like, even if there ain't nobody around, we're like, man, I am the man. 
We, 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 we are like proud of ourselves. That's what I'm talking about. We are glorified. We feel good about ourselves. That's the reward that's coming with this. That's where I'm trying to go. It's kind of like everybody feels. It's kind of like one more example. I, got, I, I don't know why they keep coming, but I got, I got to move on. But one more example. For those that ain't got nothing, what I'm saying. It's like I, I'm not a movie guy. I never have been. But there is this one movie. I've seen it probably 19 times. Now, I don't atone. Don't, don't, don't atone everything that's in this movie. Uh, there's scenes in here that definitely are not Christian, and I wouldn't, you know, say that they are. But the movie itself, it just brings out the man in me. I get that feeling, you know what I mean? And, and I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Uh, that Braveheart. Braveheart. Man. Anybody seen Braveheart? All you men have seen Braveheart. Or women either. Huh? you like, yeah. Willie? That's William Wallace back there. That's William Wallace. Holler freedom. That's a little bit soft. That's a whole lot soft, William Wallace. Let me hear it. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about right now. Freedom. All you men. All you men. I don't care who you are. You watch that. You're like. You want to get up off the couch in your Mickey Mouse pajamas <laughs> and go, yeah, yeah, you do. That's what you want. There's that glorification. It stirs. It stirs in you. Hey, certain songs does me that way. There is. There's certain songs that just, it's, I, I, got, I don't even know why I'm telling all this stuff. But there's this, this one song from years ago. I used to love this song. Man, it'd fire me up. Usually in a bad way. That Born to be Wild song. I can't help it. I can't help it. I, I still got to turn it off. I still got to turn it off. I'm saved to the bone, but man, when it's still good, I got to turn that thing off. Click that thing off. We're going we're gonna to go over here to some softer music. Now, come on, somebody. Amen. But, but yeah, come on, give him glory. Give him honor. Give him praise. Give him praise. But that's the reward. That's the reward. Verse 12 was the reward. That, 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 that we're glorified. We're glorified in Him. We're glorified in Him. We feel it. He's glorified. When you fulfill your calling as a man or any calling, ladies, when we fulfill what He's put in our heart, and you men especially, that's what God made us to be. He made us not to be soft, but be a defender. Be the one that storms the gate. Be the one that carries the heavy end. Be the one that sacrifices. Be the one that commits. Be the one that pushes forward when nobody else will. Be the one that pushes on when everybody else says be comfortable. Be the one. Be the one. That's what, and when we do that, Christ is glorified. God is glorified. That's like I was telling you the story when all these other ministers come and they see all the men that's in this church and not just men. They, you ain't soft men. And they see that, and you know what? Christ is glorified. Christ is glorified. I'm glorified. I feel good about it. I say, yeah, thank the Lord. Thank God. We do got a big burly guy that likes fruity pebbles, but other than that, we're pretty tough. And we do got a cupcake for our worship leader.
That's a good compliment. You're a sweet cupcake. But he ain't soft. Don't you think for a minute he's soft. He ain't soft. Right here on Father's Day. He ain't soft. Believe me, he ain't soft. I'll know that. He ain't soft. He's cupcake, but he ain't soft. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Go back now. I know I'm running you all over the place. Back up now to verse 11. We've touched that. Here's what I want you to see. Because this is what makes it happen. This is what makes it happen. It's this work of faith. There's this fulfilling of good pleasures. And there's this walking worthy of his calling. I want you to think about something this morning. It takes all of that. Just like we've seen in the grace and the prodigal son. Like we've seen these various stories that we even read last week. It takes this grace. This gra grace, it's according to grace. It's all according to grace. We've seen that in verse 12. Everything I'm talking about this morning is all according to grace. You can't be any of these things in your own. You'll never be man enough. You'll never be manly enough. You'll never carry the heavy end of the cross because it's in you. It's grace. It's what God puts in you. You'll never suffer for the cause of Christ because you want to. You'll never sacrifice. You'll never sacrifice your own sin because you love your family on your own. Your flesh will be weak every time. And without the grace, without the grace, you will fail and you will fail and you will fail. And you'll never have that William Wallace moment. Yeah. Freedom. You'll never feel that. But it takes the grace. It takes grace. Grace stirs the desire. Grace stirs this, this desire of good. The good. It's like the prodigal son. Remember, something had to swirl in him for him to ever to have a good desire, a purpose, a resolve. Remember, he resolved within himself. A good resolve came. That's grace. That's God stirring in us. This morning, I pray that God... Grace would stir in us, yes, the resolve, a purpose, intentions even. People, people give good intentions a hard time, but I'm going to tell you, it starts with good intentions. You can't sit on that bench and at least not have a good intention and get where this scripture's going. Grace has to stir good intentions. I would pray that someone in here this morning, if nothing else, would get in their heart, yes, a good intention. They say that the, what, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Well, I'm going to tell you what. It's not always true. The road to hell is no intentions. None. None. Just because you're here this morning, let me just say, thank you. That's good intentions. It's good intentions. That's good purposes. Grace got you here. But it don't stop there. And this is the thing. There is resolve. There is. There is good purposes. But grace carries on to this place called the work of faith. Grace without the work of faith never leaves the pew. Grace without an act of, of faith goes no, it's dead. It's dead. It's a dead Christianity. This is why you can't be soft and get this. Because it takes action. 
Soft might get the intentions, but soft never acts. Never. Soft waits for a better day, another day, someday. It acts in the power of faith. But here's where I want to get, and I got to close. I got to close. Here's what the whole point of the whole point of it is. It's being worthy to ever get that grace moving. Grace gives us the desire. Grace gives us the resolve. Grace gives us a good want to. Grace gives us the act of faith. That's how we're saved. By grace you say through faith. We act on it. Grace gives, but it's got to be something. There's this thing right here where it says, I'm praying, I'm praying right now. I'm praying for you that God would count you worthy of this calling. Worthy that you would be, this is where the title comes from. That we'd be worthy of grace. Have you ever thought about that? Grace is free. Grace is a gift. Grace is wonderful. We sing about it. It's love. We've seen it in action. I go nuts over it. But there is a worthiness to grace. I want you to think about that. There is. What and pray tell does that mean? What does it mean to be worthy of grace? Worthy of grace. Worthy of this calling. You know what? The only way I can answer it is through Scripture because it's way over my head. I want to tell you what, when you talk about grace anyway, it's like throwing the barn door open and looking out into the vastness of everything and wondering, my, it's huge. But I can show you in Scripture what ain't worthy. And we get some idea as I close this morning. Quickly, I know i got to go. Matthew 22, I want to read you this little parable, and then I promise I'm going to close. I'm even going to pull this back just so you know I'm serious. I got good desires. Lord, help me. Jesus answered. Remember, once again, he's going, he's going to teach us with a story. How many know when we got hard questions, Jesus always tells, helps us with stories? He does. And whenever I got hard questions like this, what does being worthy of grace mean, God? There's usually a story with this, for this hard stuff. And Jesus has got one. He, so, so Jesus come to them. He spoke this parable, and he said, verse 2, verse 2, the kingdom of heaven, here we go, is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. Verse 3, he sent forth servants to call them, to buy them to the wedding, and they would not come. They just wouldn't come. And again, he sent forth more servants, others, saying, tell them, tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings. It's killed. All things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Come, come, come. But they all, listen, they made light of it. Come on. You hang on to this story. They made light of it. They went their ways. One to his farm. Another to his merchandise. You know, in another set of gospel scriptures, one went to his oxen. One went to his wife. There's numerous things. It don't matter. It's not really the things. And the remnant took the servant and treated them spitefully and slew them. And then verse 7, when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. He sent forth his armies and destroyed those murders and burnt their city. Verse 8, then he saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Were not worthy. Here's what I see as I close. Here's what I see. For the, I'm closing for the fifth time. Here's what I see. No. Here's what I see. I see what, what being unworthy is. And what, 
being unworthy is, according to the story of Jesus, is when we value other things more than him. When we, when we value, when we think other things are more worth than him or his grace, when you think something's more of a valuable in your life than him, that's what he's saying in this parable. It's simple. That's what's unworthy. That's what's not worthy of grace. When we decide that land or the farm or a marriage even. Remember Jesus said, he said, he that loves father and mother more than he loves me is not what? Worthy. Father and mother even. Come on. He's putting the extreme up here that he should be the most. If you really want to be worthy of grace, you have to come to the place that you realize that it's the most important. It's the most valuable. Jesus Christ, it's the most valuable thing on earth. There's nothing else any more important. John the Baptist recognized that even when he called himself being on he said, he said, look, behold, the light, the lamb, the Lord, of the, the, the light of the world, the, the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. And he said, he went on and said, in whom I'm not worthy to unlatch it, not even a shoe. But you know why he said that? Because he's seen the worth. He's seen the value of really what it was. That makes you worthy of the grace. When you see how valuable, you realize how valuable he is. I'm not worthy. This farm, this boat, this spree, this, this ball game, this whatever, this binge, I don't know, whatever your life may dictate, but if it's more worthy, if it's more valuable, if it's more valuable than him. Come on, somebody. Come on, church. Is there anything in this life now that's more valuable to you than him and his grace? If it is, there's a worthy problem. It's going to be hard to get a hold to the grace that brings the good desires that brings the power to act in faith. That's why the rich young ruler went away sad. He decided his money was worth more than Jesus. And he went away sad. You'll leave here this morning only sad because you've decided something's more valuable than Jesus. I want to finish this verse, and then Paul, y'all, come on. Verse 9, so go you therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm hollering, come on. Do you see that grace? Do you see that Christ? Do you see that the kingdom is the most valuable thing ever? I'm telling you, come. Come. That's what I'm telling you. Verse 10 so those servants went into the highways together, together, all as many as that would be found, bad and good. It don't matter because it's grace that you realize God is the most valuable. And it ain't whether you're good or bad that makes you worthy. It's not good or bad that makes you. can be here this morning maybe be the worst in the New River Valley. I doubt it, but I'm just saying. 
That don't matter. If you come to the conclusion this morning that he's more valuable. Oh, my God. That brings grace. When you decide he is the most valuable thing, whether you're good or bad. I might throw this mic and run through William Wallace. <laughs> oh, freedom. Good or bad. Grace comes on people like that to decide, you know what? This thing's worth going to. It's more important than my land. It's more important than my walks. It's more important than my shopping spree. It's more important than my sleep. It's more important than my rest. It's more important than my lake time. It's more important than my ball game time. It's more important than, 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 than. Then you're, you're worthy of grace. Worthy of grace. And good desires flood the heart. That's what happened to me 29 years ago. I sat on a pew. The worst of the worst. Bad. Bad. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. I ain't singing the rest of it. You know what I decided? He's more worthy, he's more valuable than this life I'm living right now. And grace came. Grace came. And you know what? I had these, all of a sudden I had these good ideas. Grace works good things in me. I had these good ideas. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to him. But then you know what? No, you can't. You can't. You got addictions, you got junk, you got stuff, you got problems. But then you know what happened? Grace kept coming. And not along not only did good intentions come, but along with that come the act of faith. Grace came. And I'm on my way to the marriage. I'm on my way. I'm on my way to the marriage feast. We're going to have fruity pebbles and cupcakes. For two people anyway. I got to finish. I got to finish. I got to finish. So the servants went out into the highways, gathered the hedges, as many as they could find, both good, bad. And the wedding was furnished with guests. It was full. One day it's going to be full. One day it's going to be full. There is one last person somewhere in time that will be called and it's over and when the king came to the guest he saw this one man there he is this one man that didn't have the one who, who wasn't worthy wasn't worthy he wasn't worthy verse 12 and listen to what it says here and he said friend how came thou to this hither this wedding without a wedding garment because it's grace he was speechless verse 13 they said to the king servants bind him take him foot take him away cast him into outer cannot be till we get to the point that it's more valuable this morning that's what makes you worthy